It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL or 100.3 FM if you're listening in the Metro Boston area. Like I said last week, I was in the Metro Boston area, sort of between downtown and over to Cambridge and up to Somerville, and 100.3 comes in great over there. Crystal clear. Everybody sounds better in FM sometimes. <laughs> but if you're if you're out in that area, you can listen, or you, of course you can listen crystal clear on the app the wrol app you can just ask your uh, alexa or whatever you have google home or whatever it is to to find it or you can always find it on all the other kind of stuff tune in radio and all those kind of things that you can listen to if you have a ipad or you're just listening on your computer i know uh, i listen i listen to a few things on uh, on different apps and it's amazing you're listening to things from 500 miles away or 5,000 miles away. It's a good way, good way to listen to the radio. And I always, I always think that one of these days we'll get a call. I know the, when I put my show on the podcast page, um, I can tell where people download it from because they have a, a little bit of a statistical thing that shows where it comes from. And we have a pretty good audience in the U.K., Pretty good audience in Ireland. Not, not a big surprise. I think they'll only listen so they can hear Paul Sullivan chit-chatting with me at the end of the show. But um, one of these days we'll have to get a, a, a – I know we'll get a call from somewhere. And uh, uh, so if you're listening if you're listening outside of our general broadcast area, uh, at least shoot me an email. And my email is jpaul, J-P-A-U-L, at aaanortheast.com. I know I got a – uh, an email from someone in, I don't know, some somewhere somewhere outside of Greece, I think, and uh, that was kind of that was kind of fun. Uh, but no, if you're you know, send me an email. Let me know you're listening. If you're listening in Australia, I know I have a few people that download the program in Australia. I always think that's kind of neat. But uh, today's program, we have no guests today. We were going to try to have the Registrar Motor Vehicles on the program today to talk about Real ID, and Real ID is that new license program that is going to go into effect in the year 2020, and really designed if you're a traveler, if you're somebody who uh, travels a lot, or if you go into federal buildings, you're going to need this Real ID which means your license has been verified that it's who you say it is and you live in the United States, or you need to carry a passport with you all the time. Uh, so I wanted to talk about that and get some get some specifics on that, but I think the new license and or the new computer program hasn't been going quite as smoothly as they hoped when it rolled out this Monday, and maybe they were too busy with that because as of late yesterday afternoon – 
I thought we were still having somebody from the registry of motor vehicles, perhaps the registrar. And then at the very last minute, I heard, nope, it isn't going to happen. So not sure what not sure what ha- happened. I hope that the registrar and her team are not trying to fix the computer system. I hope they're home coloring Easter eggs or something, doing something a little bit more fun than that. But uh, who knows what it is. But anyway, uh, with, so that isn't going to happen. So we want to talk to you. Do you have a car problem? Give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And we're going to talk about the car that got me to New York this week. I went out to the New York International Auto Show for Wednesday and uh, checked out that and see what was going on there. I would have liked to stay till Thursday, but just couldn't, wasn't able to do it, but went out, uh, uh, stayed overnight on Tuesday night. So it kind of cut the ride down a little bit from uh, my house to New York, so uh, we stayed outside of the city, uh, myself and a co-worker in New Rochelle, and uh, then made our way made our way into the city from there that morning. New York's great. It's not a place for cars. There is too much traffic. doesn't take much to completely bog traffic down. And then, of course, the cost of everything. Uh, we went into the city Tuesday night because the guy uh, went with wanted to check out a certain store, and while I was there, I wanted to go check. I wanted to buy a new little microphone for my cell phone at the B&H store. It's a electronics Disney World of sorts. Um, it is It is a pretty unusual store. It is a – they have every kind of camera, electronics, microphones, digital record, everything you can possibly imagine, televisions, all kinds of stuff, and – you go, and the people are very helpful. I went looking for this one particular microphone that I wanted to plug into my cell phone. So when occasionally I go to do my program and I don't bring all of my regular remote equipment with me, like if I'm you know, on vacation or something, I can, I can do it through. There's a special app on my phone, but I can do it through the app on my phone. And uh, I just wanted a little bit better microphone. So the one I wanted wouldn't work with my phone. And they had and they had a few of them out of the box. So finally, I said, "Well, maybe this one will work okay." It seemed to work okay. wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was it was actually cheaper than I wanted to spend. So that was even better. Um, well, then they you they give you a receipt. You take your receipt to a separate cashier. There's about ten cashiers. Then you take that receipt to a pickup window where there's about twenty people at a pickup window, and it's sort of like because this was only a little thing, it was in a little bag, and it's sort of like picking up a prescription from a drugstore. You tell them you tell them your name, you show them your receipt, and they hand you a little plastic bag. And overhead, there's all these conveyors going on, and all these products are coming from wherever the warehouse is in this building. And uh, you, you you look up and you see boxes going by over your head, and that's they're going out to the sorting area, which shows up to the cashier, which uh, shows up at the pickup window. Uh, pretty fascinating store. But what was nice about it was they had they had a few of the things I wanted to look at out of the box, and they're like, you know, well try it on your phone and see if it works. So it was it was a pretty handy pretty handy place to go to. But uh, parking in downtown town Manhattan, I think we got there at five, left it. 830 60 bucks at the auto show i pulled into a parking lot i said uh parking for uh, the auto show and he said yeah 70 dollars cash only so in two days i spent 130 dollars on parking um that's a lot that's a lot of money to pay to park i as outrageous as logan airport is you can pay you can park for almost a week for that so well probably three days 
four days. But anyway, so we took out the uh, took out a, a, the Hyundai Santa Fe Sport uh, to. Uh, to New York, uh, good ride. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We also going to do a little Hyundai trivia to go along with it, and uh, so uh, just uh, just some some things to look at, some things to do. Um, interesting array of cars there. I always like to try to get the feel for what's going on at the auto show, and this year I did something completely different. One of my coworkers is a guy Robert Sinclair Jr. And he is, uh, if you're ever in the New York area and you happen to watch New York television, you'll see this guy. He represents AAA. And also, uh, if you're traveling that area and you happen to tune on any of the big radio stations, you'll usually hear him talking about anything from uh, what's going on in the state to gas prices and whatever the case is. So, uh, so he was there. And then one of my other co-workers, who has actually been on this program before, Ed Welsh, he actually hosts a program very similar to this in Utica, New York, and he's been doing it for 25 or 30 years. Interestingly enough, on the same frequency as this one, 9.50 a.m. So he's on 9.50 a.m. in Utica, or I'm on 9.50 a.m. in Boston. Uh, But the three of us got together, and we did a Facebook Live thing. Where if you if you're on Facebook, occasionally you see video. Sometimes it's live. Sometimes it isn't. So we used um, we basically set up a whole little studio. So one of our one of our coworkers from Providence um, came up. He t- he was probably the smartest one. He took the train, and then he met another coworker from New Jersey who she took the train, and they got together and they set up what essentially amounted to a little studio. And we did a Facebook Live for about an hour, so the three of us. At one point, we had the vice president of Honda on the program because we were actually in their space. We were in their uh, presentation space. So he came over, and we chit-chatted with him a little bit about what was going on. And then uh, at the same time, we got a lot of other, other footage. So if you haven't, go on the AAA Facebook page, just Go on Facebook and search AAA, AAA Northeast, and you'll see it. And you'll see the um, Facebook Live that we did and also the pre-recorded, which was sort of live, uh, that we also did. So we did one that was live real-time and one that was recorded. The recorded one, the sounds a little bit better uh, because we were, um, we were using a, a phone to do the Facebook Live because although we had two Wi-Fi hotspots, and internet in the building, the networks were so jammed because every time a car company would do a new presentation, a thousand reporters would go to report on it on their phones and tablets and whatever the case was, and it just jammed up the network. Five bars of service, you couldn't make a phone call. So it just it was just one of those one of those weird things. But uh, some of the some of the stuff that was introduced, uh, simple things. Uh, Nissan Altima, Nissan Altima looks really good. Um, I saw the pictures of it when it was first uh, uh, teased about it, and it didn't, it didn't really look that good. And when I saw it in person, it looked really good. Um, all the latest, greatest were there, including some exotic cars, cars multi-million dollar cars were there. I was wandering around. I happened to see Ernie Bach Jr. there. He was wandering around with a couple of people. Um, and looking at, he, uh, he was looking at, interestingly, the Honda race car. He, the, Honda had an Indy car there, and he came over and looked at the Honda Indy car for uh, for some reason, I, I didn't get to chat with him, uh, but he was he was wandering around there. Uh, it also seems as if I was doing a, I was, I'm still car shopping, and I was looking at 
one of his one of the dealerships with his name on it, which is uh, Bach Hyundai in Westford, um, is actually it's his name, but it's actually owned by a guy who used to own a bunch of car dealerships up in New Hampshire. But it also appears as if uh, Ernie Bach has now gone back into the car dealership business. I guess Bach Chevrolet on Route One is actually owned by him, not by this other conglomerate. So a lot of stuff going on in the business. But uh, but there was a lot of interesting introductions there. there um, one of the ones that really fascinated me was Volkswagen had something that really amounted to almost a pickup truck. It was It looked like their bigger SUV, but it looks like they cut the back off of it and made it into sort of a pickup truck looking thing. Really, really kind of an interesting looking vehicle. Uh, Lincoln debuted their uh, Lincoln Aviator. Nice looking, nice looking vehicle. Um, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of different uh, components inside of it. Uh, electrification, maybe hybrid technology. Cadillac had their compact SUV, the uh, the uh, XT4. Range Rover had a really interesting vehicle. They had a big Range Rover, but it was a two-door. So this great big Range Rover that you would expect, you know, to see four people and, you know, four bucket seats inside of it, just a big bulky vehicle. Two-door vehicle, two different color interiors, front and back seat. The front seats were kind of a light color leather. I assume it was leather. The back seats were a darker color. So through the tinted back windows, the whole back of the car just sort of faded away. It looked a little bit awkward to get in and out of it. I, they, uh, It had uh, uh, power lift seats, which uh, they weren't hooked up to uh, power to be able to. They have to disconnect all the batteries in the car. So some of, some of the options and accessories work. Some of them don't. But uh, interesting. I'm not sure how many people will really buy it, but an interesting style, and it was a, it's a production vehicle. Then also, uh, they had a uh, uh, Jaguar was there with a station wagon, and it was uh, they don't call it a station wagon, of course, they call it a shooting brake, which is a fancy English term for a station wagon, and uh, but it was uh, actually a pretty nice looking car, so uh, so that they were they were there with that. So that was kind of interesting. Um, Subaru had uh, a few new models there, but really I like this uh, Volkswagen concept, which was uh, this uh, pickup truck. They also had a concept, which is the Atlas, which is their big SUV, but they chopped it up a little bit, made it a little bit smaller, made it a five seat SUV instead of a seven. So instead of being uh, a big, they kind of went from their Touareg to this five-seat Atlas, so it tells you that maybe there's not going to be a Touareg around. So there was a lot of a lot of interesting things there. So um, and a lot of coverage you'll you'll see coverage probably for the next week or two on uh, TVs and websites and all kinds of different places to be able to look at it. The problem is I I was uh, so wrapped up in doing this uh, Facebook Live thing, I actually didn't get to see as much of it as I wanted to. So um, so it was, but it was still always good. It's always good also to, to meet some of the people that I haven't seen very often. Uh, Ezra Dyer, who used to live in this area, uh, he used to actually write in this area, he lived in Quincy uh, for a while, uh, who is now the uh, auto editor of uh, Popular Mechanics, ran into him. He seemed to be doing well. He was telling me about uh, he's headed back up this way. He doesn't come up to New England that much anymore, but he's uh, doing a uh, doing something for Popular Mechanics uh, later in the year 
where they race lobster boats. Lobster boats, not anything you think of going really fast. He was saying what they do is they actually, uh, some of them will, some of the uh, real diehards of this will actually take the uh, regular engine out of the lobster boat and put a great big, um, maybe a great big supercharged engine. Uh, Maybe they'll run dual high-performance outboards on it, and it's racing. So it's uh, so they'll try to do anything. He's he's going up with uh, some kind of custom boat he's putting together. So, uh, But it'll be an interesting story for Popular Mechanics, and that was always one of Ezra's uh, specialties was to kind of do these odd stories about different things. And uh, he's he's going gonna to put something together, and he's going to be up in this area. So that'll be kind of interesting when he does that. Uh, but it's always, it's always good to see... Uh, a variety of people that I don't see very often. So the New York Auto Show offers a lot of cars, it offers a lot of people, and it offers a little bit of a flavor of New York, which either you love it or hate it. Love it or hate it. Love it. The guy I went with uh, said, nah, I don't really like coming here. And even even the videographer that we had, uh, Javier, he who is uh, kind of a city guy, He's not all that crazy about New York either, which I was kind of surprised. He's uh, he's so who knows? Uh, but you know, people either people either love it or they don't. So who's getting into the car buying business, car selling business now? Walmart apparently. Uh, article from Automotive News: Walmart will expand its car buying program with Car Saver, offered uh, to customers by opening its 250 Car Saver shopping centers at stores. The giant uh, retailer said last week the program runs on CarSaver's digital automotive marketplace, and it has essentially been in pilot mode for in 14 Walmart stores since it was announced early last year. CarSaver of Miami uses a network of certified de- dealerships, banks, and insurance companies to support the car shopping and buying experience to Walmart customers. In addition, every vehicle bought through CarSaver comes with a lifetime warranty. That's pretty interesting. CarSaver's unique platform helps our customers understand the true cost of ownership while also helping them save money with buying, financing, leasing, and insuring a new or used vehicle. Um, According to CarSaver data and research, the average CarSaver customer has saved more than $3,500 off the sticker price of the purchase and $3,900 on repairs covered by CarSaver's lifetime warranty. It is pilot stores, uh, car shopping centers are run as an independent operation, often across from Walmart uh, checkout lanes. Under the program, customers use CarSaver.com to find a vehicle by uh, comparing cars and trucks on the site. Once customers find what they want, they are connected with a express manager who arranges for the for them to test drive or pick up their vehicle at a local certified dealership. CarSaver also uh, soon uh, help customers sell their vehicles by providing instant cash offers from a large network of certified dealers um, who will bid on the vehicle. In addition, the vehicle purchase program for Walmart employees will be launched uh, shortly and help Walmart's 1.5 million U.S. employees save time and money when buying a car. So it sounds like an employee discount, too. CarSaver platform will also be available on a microsite um, at walmart.com. Uh, Ally Financing will offer gift cards incentives to Walmart customers, CarSaver, car shopping. Centers operate in seven Walmart stores in Arizona, six in Oklahoma, and one in Stewart, Florida. So if they start to roll this out, could be an interesting 
could be an interesting thing for customers to try to save some money and uh, and and do some things. Uh, I'm gonna. I haven't checked out the website yet, but I'm gonna have to check it out and see what's there. Um, as I have been car shopping and not really very hard at it either, by the way. Um, I did go into a enterprise car sales, and we got chatting about trade-in price, and. The one dealership that I uh, went in and they had a car that I was half interested. I wasn't all that interested in. Um, I asked them what they'd give me for my car in a trade-in. They came back with a ridiculously low offer of $800. And um, I said, well, that's sort of interesting because one of your other dealerships has essentially the same car as mine for $6,000. So you're offering me $800 for a car that you're trying to sell for $6,000. I said, I think I think the trade-in price is somewhere in between those two numbers. And uh, they didn't seem to be very interested in that. But at Enterprise, I said, how do you determine the trade-in value? And they said, well, we go by um, Kelly Blue Book. Go on Kelly Blue Book. Uh, be honest with what you think the condition of your car is, whether you think it's fair or good or excellent. And he said, it'll figure it out for you with the mileage and options. And that's what we pay you. I'm like, well, that's pretty simple. That's a pretty transparent way to do it. No, you know, no crazy low numbers and things like that. So, phones are quiet today. Nothing. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through. Let's talk about the car that got me to New York, at least. And that is the uh, 2018 Hyundai Santa Fe Sport Ultimate. Uh, essentially almost a car I want to buy, not this fancy. I don't need anything this fancy. I don't need the ultimate edition. But Hyundai Santa Fe Sport, not to be confused with the larger Hyundai Santa Fe, continues as a five-passenger SUV and comes in two trim levels, base and ultimate. I'm more of a base person. The Santa Fe Sport has two engine choices, a 2.4-liter engine that develops 185 horsepower in the base model and a more powerful 2-liter, 240-horsepower turbocharged engine as an option in the base and standard equipment on the Ultimate. The uh, Santa Fe Sport can be ordered in front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Again, our road test was in the Santa Fe Sport 2-liter turbocharged Ultimate Edition with all-wheel drive. On the road, the 2-liter turbocharged engine has no trouble merging with fast-moving traffic. 240 horsepower in these days doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's plenty with this. uh, The six-speed automatic transmission shifts smoothly, nicely matching the performance of the engine. It's interesting, both the smaller smaller horsepower engine, 185 horsepower, and the higher horsepower, smaller engine, 240 horsepower, um, both of those engines are more powerful than the V6 engine that's actually in my car. So both the small turbocharged 4 and the larger regular 4 both have more power than the car, the engine that's in my car. Uh, fuel economy is rated 19 city, 24 on the highway. I was doing right around 25 on my trip to New York, and that was a lot of stop-and-go traffic. Uh, during my road test, which included more highway than city driving, um, when I did that measurement, was right around 22, so not bad. The ride's smooth, comfortable, only the worst bumps and potholes causing this midsize SUV to become unsettled. Handling was pretty good. You know, nothing nothing outlandish, but uh, pretty good. Steering's also light. Um All-wheel drive system has a differential lock for handling deep snow or moderate off-road travels. Wasn't doing any of those. So um, the interior of the Santa Fe, especially in our Ultimate, was very nicely done. Front seats are multi-adjustable. Lower back uh, cushions lack a little bit of support, as do uh, 
the under thigh support, but reasonably comfortable. I mean, I spent five hours in this thing at one point and still stayed pretty comfortable in it. Yeah, heated and cooled seats. Now, the heated seats after a couple hours of, well, after eight hours of walking New York or the auto show and then sitting in the car, kind of nice to have heated seats. It's got a huge panoramic sunroof. Uh, added to our vehicle with smart cruise control, automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection. Didn't need it. Almost did. Uh, there was there was a guy in Connecticut cutting through traffic. Uh, a, a lane of traffic was all backed up. He jammed on his brakes, spun about sideways, straightened the car back out, almost hit three cars, didn't. And he was staring at his phone half the time. So there's part of the problem. So what? So what's the deal with the Santa Fe? Bottom line, it's well sorted out. Fit and finish is good. Good sized cargo area, and a lot of uh, standard and optional equipment. We have phone calls now. Well, that's good. <laughs> Let's go over to line one. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Good morning. This is Ray from Quincy. Hey, Ray. <clears throat> How you doing? Good. Listen, I'm calling. I'm calling about the uh, license thing that you mentioned yep. about you getting the old green plates back out. Uh, have you checked that? Anybody give any feedback on that? No, I I heard I heard that that you mean as far as just trying to get a single plate. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean you're 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 going to get a red, white, and blue plate. That's all you're going to get. Or like I said, like I said that uh, that website. Uh, the, the, green, the green one. Yeah, the green one. You can you can you can try it. You know, it's for a hundred bucks. You can give it a try, and they. I got to tell you, they look identical. I saw. Yeah, I looked at yeah. it. I looked at it online. Yeah, and uh, although they do, you know, they do tell you, you know, this is this is a replica license plate, not a, you know, not a state issued license plate. But I got to tell you, it looks exactly to me like a regular license plate. So I think I think if you put it on your car. Um, it would certainly pass inspection. Okay, because the one that I have is kind of flaked off. I mean, I've seen cars like that, but I don't want to wait until the last minute to find yeah. out that I have to get a plate. Yeah, what what I would do if if it was me um, is I would go into any inspection garage and just say to them, "Hey, is this plate is this plate good enough to pass? You know, one more time, or, you know, another year. See what they okay, say. Right, yeah, you know, and, yeah. if the, and if the guy says no, nah, I don't think so. I'd probably try another guy just to see what he says." And if right, you find right. and if you find somebody who says, "Yeah, it looks good enough," um, if that's the case, you know, go back to that guy to do the inspection. You know, right? Because they they take pictures. They don't yep. they have the cameras. Yeah, they, 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 they have. What happens? The way it works, the new inspections program now. There's three cameras mounted to the shop wall and one handheld camera. And what they have to do, they take a picture of the vehicle identification number. They take a mm-hmm. picture of the speedometer and they take a picture of the license plate. So they to see okay. make sure they all match together, and as long as the license plate's in fairly reasonable condition, it should be okay. Um, like an old timer from the registry said to me, you know, go wash the plate with soap and water, get it good and clean, and spray it with a little bit of clear lacquer so it looks so it looks decent, and it's and it'll probably you can probably get a little more life out of it. But the white won't be white. Yeah, what I'm saying. yeah, you know, yeah. I know. But it depends on how bad. The lacquer will cover it. Uh, well, you know, it might, it might, you know, give it just a little bit more life out of it. You know, my uh, the license plate on my on my car is uh, a, a green and white plate. I think I don't know how long I've had it. I don't know for for, and it doesn't really it doesn't mean anything to me emotionally. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's uh, 
you know, a special number or anything. It's just a license plate that's been on the car, and I'm lazy, and it's okay, and, you know, right. leave, it, leave it on the car. But it's probably, if it passes this year, it'll be okay, but I don't imagine it'll pass much past this year, though. And, okay, at, that, so and, at, and at that point, like I said, the plate doesn't mean anything to me. It's not like it's... Uh, it's not like I, I I look at this license plate and say, oh, you know, that's the that's the plate I had on my '65 Mustang. Right, uh, right. It might have been the plate I had on my '65 Mustang, but since I don't remember, it doesn't really matter, you know. So well, see, it's just, it's just the plate I got when I got a license plate one day. Well, see, the thing is that you don't have to have a front license right. plate, so you can put something else on the front. You can, you know, you can put whatever you want on there, you know. Yeah. I visited Graceland. Yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. like that. You know, I'm Elvis, I'm an Elvis fan yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind yeah. of stuff like that. Yeah, uh, world's best granddad, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but okay. like, like I said, the uh, that uh, that website that uh, that does the duplicate plates. I I am pretty sure I saw one on a. Uh, I was at I was at a car show, and I'm pretty sure I saw one because it it looked brand new. And, uh, right. yeah. And well, that's why I see this. I yeah. bought one because I have the one that I have now, I have it underneath like a plastic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a car, car, yep. car thing. Yep. I mean, it, it doesn't cover anything, you know, yep. it has Massachusetts or yep. everything on it. And, uh, I figured, well, you know, they probably figure that is dirty underneath, you know? Yeah. I says, I don't want to find out at the last minute that I have to get a plate. Right. Right. So, like I said, I'd go into, you know, any, you know, you know, the, wherever you go to get an inspection, whatever the case right. is, and just swing in and, you know, just, you know, tap somebody on the shoulder and say, "Hey, can you just take a look at that license plate? Would you pass this plate if if I came right. in if I came in in a couple of months and you know see what they say?" Right, because the other thing was, I figured if I get a new one, I'll just dirty it up. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could. You know, I've, 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 I've never heard anybody say they they didn't they got rejected because their plate looked too clean. Yeah, yeah, I just because I know a few years back the guy told me you know I'm gonna so I stopped going to him. Yeah, well, you know, a few years a few years back, uh, people got so concerned about the, the there was a lot of bad information about oh you're gonna have to replace this plate no matter what. Right. In fact, the plate on my wife's car, which was not in great condition, she went in to go get an inspection sticker, and the guy just looked looked across the parking lot and said, uh, oh, you're gonna need to replace that license plate. And she's like, I don't want to replace the license plate. So, uh, and there was, and realistically, there was, it was fine. But he heard mm-hmm. that he heard that every green and white plate was going to have to get replaced, and, yeah. and it was just bad information. If the plate, if the plate is legible and reflective from, I think it's sixty feet away, it passes right. the test. So, okay, okay, I'll give it a shot. All, All right. right, thanks a lot. Thanks, Ray. Right. Have a good Easter. You too. Bye bye. Yep. Let's talk to John. Good morning, John. Hello, John. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Good. I got a question. I'm helping my girlfriend replace the uh, muffler or fix the exhaust on her 2013 Civic. And I ran into this, uh, look it online, this place called Lou's Custom Exhaust. Yeah, like a local New England chain. Have yeah. you ever heard of them? They're, they are all over the place, and I don't. And I'm still, I still don't know anything about them other than I see, I see their, their, they, they must put a sticker in every window of every, every car they do an exhaust system on. And they're, you're right. They're all over the place. In fact, I was talking to the service director of a Toyota dealership 
And he said they use them all the time because people come in and they want to buy a new Toyota and they don't like the quiet exhaust, so they uh, send it down to Lou's and have them and have them put a custom exhaust on it for them. So, you know, every I, I you know I there's one in a little old gas station in the town I used to live in, and I, every I thought it was just a guy named Lou who made mufflers, you know, and but come to find out, it's a it's a pretty well known little chain. Yeah, it seems like they're they're claiming that they're not going to just replace an entire piece. Like if you just have a bad piece of pipe, they'll cut it out right. and saw it. Yeah, and yeah, they're they're. They're pretty good. They're pretty good welders. So, uh, like I said, they they uh, they do a lot of work on brand new cars where they you know cut out a section of you know section of the exhaust, put a little bit louder muffler in because somebody wants a little more sound, you know, put it all back together. And they're, they're doing that. They're doing this on cars that are literally get you know zero miles on them. So you know if they're if they're good enough to do that, I'm sure they're good enough to put a muffler on your Civic. I'm surprised the Civic needs a muffler. Well, that was my second question: Is like, do these um, muffler systems and exhaust systems these days like last longer than they used to? Yeah, usually. uh, Yeah, either they're usually made out of they're usually made out of some form of stainless steel now, so they last. You know, I I you know one of my cars is eleven years old, and the exhaust. I I think the exhaust is going to outlast the rest of the car. When did they start doing that? Because I remember when Saturn did it, it was kind of a novelty. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I, I want to say in the past, I don't know, maybe fifteen years. I mean, you still, I still occasionally, you, you know, you still, you still have to put an exhaust on something, and occasionally you'll get a pipe that might crack or you know the factory weld breaks. I know when, um, when one of my cars was under warranty, I started up one day and I said, "Well, that sounds a little bit louder than I expected." And sure enough, there was a, a weld on a on a pipe that actually cracked, and uh, they needed to replace the pipe. So, but generally, the the muffler systems can last you know five, ten, or more years. Yeah, I mean, this is five years, probably yeah. sixty five thousand miles, and I think it's is it getting loud? That, um, yeah, I mean, the pipe is totally um, disconnected. Oh, okay. the, uh, the connection between the catalytic converter and the muffler oh but, okay you know um it just seems like the the pipe broke on the muffler side of it yeah maybe maybe so, uh maybe a good pothole or something did it in yeah yeah so that's that's definitely not something that is warranted anymore right mm, how many how many miles on it mm, Sixty-five thousand. yeah um the front. Well, she bought the extended warranty, but I, I yeah, never knew that. Yeah, the pipe, the pipe between that. the front pipe and the catalytic converter would be under warranty, but not from the catalytic converter to the muffler. Right. So you know, I you know, chances are, oh, I mean, there's no chance that that's not under warranty. But if it is, if it is a matter of it is a result of. You know, hitting something and not just rotted away. If it's rotted away, you're going to have to replace it. But if it broke or the flange broke or whatever the case is, um, you might be able to have it welded together. So, um, you know, I'd I'd go I'd go look and you know go to somebody like like Lou's where they're where they are welders. You know, they're they're unfortunately there are places that do mufflers and 
they don't weld any better than I do when I barely I can barely stick two things together. So um, but if it's if it is that if it is that intermediate pipe that goes between the catalytic converter and the muffler system, you know, that that's, you know, like all factory pipes, that's a couple hundred dollar pipe. And, uh, you know, not, not a ton of labor to replace it, but, but then it becomes, you know, then it becomes, oh, am I going to have to do the, the muffler now at the same time? Maybe, you know, so, so it becomes a little bit, a little bit more of a challenge. So, I mean, where, where the, where the fail is at the, the connection, they just likely, if they took out that connection and just put it in a solid piece of pipe, then yeah, that should be you. That you know, you have to they have to look at it and see what they what they can or can't do with it. But yeah, it should. They might be able to. They might be able to just uh, depending on what went wrong with it. If it if it is rot, then it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit harder to do. They're gonna have to cut out a chunk. And but if it actually just right. if it actually just broke it where the where the flanges, it should be. It shouldn't be all that. Shouldn't be all that hard to really deal with. So, it's been a while since I had to do something like this, and when I looked up, it was like seems like a lot of Midas's and Meineke's are gone. Must yeah. be a reason for that. Well, well, what happened? Well, the 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 reason you just said nobody puts mufflers on anymore, and and Midas Midas became nothing more than a regular repair shop. You know, Midas. You know, if you remember the old commercials, you know, with the lifetime muffler and the old guy with the Model T or whatever it was. Um, you know, that's why you went to a Midas was his lifetime muffler warranty. But once people stopped replacing mufflers because they don't rot out like they used to, um, Midas just became another repair shop, and uh, a lot of them were a lot of them were owned by franchises, and they slowly started to go out of business because they, you know, they like a lot of places couldn't get enough help or couldn't compete with um, places that did a better job or had better help or paid more money or whatever the case is. So that's why a lot of the Midas's and the Meineke's and all those places, Speedy Muffler and all those places kind of kind of failed and went away. I, I work with a guy who at one point owned five Midas franchises and uh, he owned one, he, I think he owned one building and uh, rented four other ones. And he said once they got out of the muffler business. He said there wasn't, you know, he was selling shocks and brakes and, you know, timing belts just like the guy around the corner from him. And he said, you know, they weren't known for that. So, you know, he he slowly started to close his close his businesses down. So yeah, I would if if you're going to try to, you know, stick it back together, try somebody like that. Lose exhaust is like there's they seem to be here and there, and uh, and see what they can do. If not, you know, you're probably looking at three hundred bucks to fix it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, Doug. All right. Take care. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah. Hi, John. Yeah, sir. Yes, sir. I was missed your show because I was in Lakeland, Florida at the uh, end of February, and I just last time I heard you when you had the flu. Yeah. You better now? I am. I am. And uh, and uh, you sent you sent me up automotive sections, right? Well, I tried it. The library didn't open until 9, so by the time I got in there, it was after... Quarter past nine, got on the computer, and the computer kept on shutting on and off for some reason. So, and then I don't have a smartphone. I just have a simple push-button phone. And uh, then I had to go to Daytona, and I was camping in the woods, and no computer or anything like that. Well, you didn't have to go to Daytona. Oh, I'm not going to go back there again. That was the second time, you know, bike week, and I went with another guy, and, and you know, motorcycle rumbling around. 
And I understand Holly Davidson isn't doing so well because these are old men that have them, rich old men mostly, and, you know, they're dying off and they're not getting the uh, resales like they had before. Yeah, they you look at these. Go ahead. It's not young people that buy these. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, and I think what happened, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know anything, but you know what I think. What I think happened was in the uh, in the building, you know, in 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 two thousand, you know, up to two thousand six and seven, when um, the economy was really good. I think a lot of, a lot of the people you you desc- you describe uh, went out and bought motorcycles and cars and boats and fancy houses and all of that and then the economy crashed and then you know when that happened um you know people started to sell that stuff i mean look at you know even look at all the tv shows that were out there you know orange county Mm -hmm. choppers and 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 uh you know jesse james and all that stuff they're all building these um you know big tire bikes that were you know eighty ninety thousand dollar motorcycles and You know, and and people could afford them. Well, then all of a sudden the economy fell apart, and people couldn't afford them anymore. Well, you look at most of the guys that have mostly men, and they're older men, gray hair, and they got a big F one fifty pickup truck that looks like it cost about fifty thousand yep. dollars, and a big trailer, so they got money. And and young people starting out, and that's a, not something they need—a motorcycle. They might need a car just to get around. But so I can understand why Holly Davidson, yeah, is a. Uh, not selling like they used to. Yeah, but dollars for no one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, but they're you know they're still selling pretty good. But what happened? You know what happened to you? I mean, you look here on the, you know, on the South Shore. You know, Monty's Holly Davidson that has been here since since time began. Um, you know, nice little nice little Holly Davidson store, but but um, you know some of these giant stores. Who who's the uh, the big, the big Howie Davidson store down in Daytona. Uh, you know, the, yeah, you know that. Yeah, yeah, that that place is that place is like a uh, that place is like Disney World for motorcycles. <laughs> it is all week long. Yeah, like this motorcycle made me rumbling along. Yeah, I wish they would bring the electric Howie like they had, nice and quiet. But that throws motorcyclists off. Doesn't make any sound. Yeah, and although <laughs> although Howie claims they're still going to make it though. Oh yeah, that would throw it throw all off. Doesn't make any sound. They can't handle that. Yeah, <laughs> you got to put a kind of a speaker with some kind of chip in it so it makes a sound, rumbles. Well, they're they're actually yeah, they they're actually going to require that for cars at some point. They already, I think, the Obama administration already tried to do that. Yeah, and, you know, and, but they, it never really happened. But I think in two thousand nineteen or twenty, it, and we'll have to wait and see whether whether they actually do that or not. Um, but you know, well, it's one of one of those just. Uh, I don't know. I Even think, because if you're in the city and there's all kinds of ambulances rumbling and motorcycles like that and trucks, you're not going to hear the electric car sound anyway. I, I, like I kind of think the world, I kind of think, you know, I like a car I like a car that makes noise. I like a motorcycle that makes noise. But on the other hand, I like it when everything's nice and quiet, too. So, you know, what, what, would, it, what would it be like if, uh, you know, if you went into the city and all the cars were silent? You know, that might be actually kind of nice. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I hear, I hear, I hear a siren behind you now. So yeah, sirens and all. So a little bit of with, with the car making a sound do because you're not going to hear that sound anyway. Sirens in the background anyway. Right. Well, I wanted to ask you if there are any complimentary tickets for any 
anybody from the New York Auto Show, certainly appreciate it. Uh, they went up in the price. None, none that I know of. None that I know of. They, 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 uh, they, they don't, they don't seem to offer those out, as far as I know. But there are some discounted tickets available. If you, if you check, if you check here and there, you might save a couple bucks here and there. But, um, but uh, the New York Auto Show, it's going to run from uh, today through uh, next Sunday. So. You know, yeah, right find, Easter, yeah, just... yeah, and if you find yourself in if you find yourself in New York, it's it's uh, it's certainly worth going to it. It's one of the. Well, get the bus. There's a bus that takes you a block away. I don't know what down yeah. South Station, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you take if you what I mean, what is the the cheap bus, whatever it is. Well, Mega bus. Mega bus. The, the Chinese companies to get you there for ten fifteen dollars. There, the government put them out mostly. Yeah, but uh, a know, mega thought... mega bus gets you there for what, twenty-five bucks. Yeah, twenty-five dollars. Twenty-five dollars in the mega bus you can get there, and um, and it's uh, you know it's actually even if you take the train, um, I think the train is sixty-five dollars. Yeah, so twenty-five dollars in track. Yeah, uh, seventy. I think it's like I think it's sixty-five to take Amtrak. So yeah, so you can you know stretch out in the seat, take a nap. You're all you're all set to go. Oh, thanks. I, hope, I was hoping it'd be complimentary, but no, no, they they, they they never they never they never offered those up, and uh, and, I, and like a lot of auto shows, sometimes when you're there as a press person, there's somebody kind of wandering around. They'll say, you know, hey, we have some we have some uh, uh, extra tickets available if you have a way to give them away. But um, I never heard that in New York. Never heard that in yeah. New York, and I never heard that in Providence. Oddly enough, the Providence Auto Show. Um, is one of those shows I, I very rarely ever get complimentary tickets for, but uh, the Paragon Group, who runs the Boston and Connecticut shows, they're always they're always great. They're always they call me up and they're like, "Hey, can we get you some tickets to the show so you can give them away to your listeners or your or your viewers or your you know readers or whatever the case is?" So uh, sometimes sometimes they are there to, to try to try to help you out. So. Well, last year New York was seventeen dollars, but I don't know what it is this year. Yeah, I bet, I bet it's, I bet it's the same, at least the same. So you know, everything in the city goes up. Yeah. So, yeah. But you know, well, you can take, you, very much. you can take Megabus out for twenty five dollars. Yeah. You can take Amtrak out for uh, a little bit more than that, and it will cost you less than it does to park there. Oh yeah, I wouldn't try. But one time I drove a car in, and I had to park way in the outskirts of the city and walk back into. On a legitimate spot. Yeah. Time. No, it, it's. Uh, hours, riding around, riding yeah. Spot. No, you can. You can. Uh, you know, if you take the train, if you take the train into Penn Station, uh, it's about a, uh, a ten or fifteen minute walk up to Javits. Yeah. Right where they have the Kmart. Yeah. yeah. They have a Kmart. I'm still there. Yeah. It's still there. Oddly, oddly enough, there's a Kmart in 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 Manhattan. It's kind of shocked me too. Three three stories, no parking lot. Yeah. And. Um, and I get my rewards points, so there you go. Got me there going. you go. <laughs> you know a lot more about it than I do. Well, I mean, I went to buy like thirty something dollars worth of Kmart, and I got it for seventeen. You know, when you buy something, you get some points with that, some cash off. Yep. which I like. Yeah. All right. So many years. Thank you very All much. All right, take John. care. All right. All right. Uh, too bad you had to come home from Florida, where it's. No, well, enough of Florida. You know, four weeks was enough. Four weeks was enough. All right. Four, yeah. four weeks of sunshine and warm weather. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Kmart, not Walmart. I don't like Walmart at all. All right. Yeah, all right. Take it easy. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, see ya. Appreciate it. Yeah, he, he was good enough. He actually sent me an envelope with a bunch of automotive uh, pages out of the local local uh, Daytona newspaper down there, and uh, uh, nice of him to do that. Um, 
If you have an interest in self-driving vehicles, uh, this Thursday at Draper Labs in Cambridge, there is going to be an autonomous vehicle uh, sort of summit and discussion group. And it is um, it is put on, and uh, I'll give you the website. It's A-U-V-S-I-N-E. A-U-V-S-I. New England, A-U-V-S-I, newengland.org, and you can find out more information about it. But it's going to take place from, I think, 10 or 11 o'clock till 7 o'clock at night on Thursday at Draper Labs in Cambridge. Um, They're going to have uh, the folks from Newtonomy who are running the uh, self-driving vehicles at the seaport. They're going to have the people from Optimus. Just makes me laugh when I say Optimus. Um, Going to have the people from Optimus ride not optimus prime uh that is uh that run the shuttle over at the uh old south weymouth uh, navy base they run an autonomous shuttle over there from the uh, condos and apartments up to the up to the uh park and ride and uh, as well as a lot of other technology people are going to be there so if you have an interest in autonomous vehicles it's au vs I New New England A U V S I New England, and uh, you can buy a ticket and go and see what it's all about. Um, I hoped that I was going to be able to get something in the Boston Globe about it, but uh, I noticed they didn't run that comment this morning in the Globe. So, why don't we take a break? I think I I think we could use it. If you have a question about your car, six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. 770-3030. When we come back, too, we're going to play a little bit of trivia. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. AM 950 WROL Boston. The spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it. Flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing 800-648-9175 that's 800-648-9175 the more our family grew the smaller our old car got so we upgraded to a honda odyssey it's from kelly blue book's 2016 best value brand and comes with standard features like bluetooth so my wife can remind me of all the things i've forgotten to bring home ah the diapers go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 broadway route 99 in effort mass call 617-276-1179 based on 2016 brand image awards from kelly blue book visit kbb.com for information see dealer for financing details 
The Answer with Legati and Palermo. And let me ask you this. Yeah, right. Your favorite music is really country? I want to tell you because you, you are real instruments. All right. What, story, guitars? Guitars, yeah. bass, drums, kick yeah. drums. Mm. Listen, banjos. Banjos? Weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. But the problem, Joe, with you and I, we're, we can't get on a horse. We, yes. we couldn't do that we to could, a horse. I could get on a mule. That's half a horse. <laughs> On Boston's WROL, 950 AM. February is Heart Health Month. So Quantum Nutrition Labs is featuring two key support agents for promoting cardiovascular and circulatory health. Quantum Delta Tocotrienol and Quantum Resveratrol. Buy two bottles and get the third one free. And get a free copy of the Biofield Diet. Now is the time to commit to making your heart health a priority year-round. Call 888-588-7578. That's 888-588-7578. Or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Listen to Healthline Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. on 590 AM WEZE, The Word. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, all authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-851-4805. That's 800-851-4805. Families are discovering a better way to vacation on Tripping.com. One search on Tripping.com lets you filter, compare, and sort homes from the world's top vacation rental sites, so you'll always find the best deal. From furnished beach houses to cozy ski lodges, lakefront cabins to luxury condos in major cities, Tripping.com has them all. Vacation rentals offer more, more privacy, more space for everyone under one roof, and more choices with fully stocked kitchens, extra bedrooms, and even hot tubs. All the comforts of home, and then some. Best of all, at Tripping.com you'll find more savings, with rates up to 80% less than traditional hotel rooms. Planning your family's spring break to Florida? Tripping.com. Can't wait to visit Lake Tahoe this summer? Tripping.com. Dreaming of a cabin in the Smoky Mountains? Tripping.com. This year, get out of the hotel room and into the vacation home of your dreams with Tripping.com slash plan. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G dot com slash plan. Find your perfect vacation rental on Tripping.com. Hello, I'm Kevin Crippen. And I'm Patrick Shelby. With host of Sunrise Sports, WROL 950 AM and 100.3 FM's only sports talk radio show. Our show has aired for four years now, and we are privileged to be part of the community here at WROL. You can listen to the show this Saturday and every Saturday morning from 8 to 8.30 as we discuss all things sports and take your phone calls. 
If you're interested in sponsoring our show, please contact us at WROLSunriseSports at gmail.com. You can stay up to date with the show by following us on Twitter at SunriseWROL. The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 Brand Image Awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. AM 950 WROL Boston, the spirit of Boston. A service of Salem Media Group. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston, or 100.3 FM. If you're listening in the metro Boston area, you can listen to us on Crystal Clear FM or on the app. Or anywhere, electronically, I suppose, you can listen to us. Uh, our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Time for trivia. Do we have trivia music? There it is. Look at that. I think this is really simple, but it's got a little hard component to it. I talked about the Hyundai Santa Fe Sport, the car that got me to New York and back. And... Uh, did it pretty economically. What was the name of the first Hyundai that was brought that was uh, sold here in the United States, and how much did it cost within five dollars? So, what was the name of the first Hyundai that was sold in the United States, and how much did it cost? And for a bonus question. What was the name of the first Hyundai that appeared in the United States but wasn't sold here? It was actually sold in Canada, but there was a lot of them that made their way here. For If you know the answer to that, I don't know. You'll get something special. You'll get, uh, I don't know what it will be, something special. So what was the name of the first Hyundai and how much did it cost? And if you remember, if you remember way back in those days, there was another cheap car, the Yugo, and the Yugo cost thirty nine ninety five, brand new car, and it was a. They called it Yugo because it was made in Yugoslavia, and it was it was uh, essentially a old Fiat design that showed up showed up in uh, uh, showed up in the United States, and I remember there was a Buick dealership down the street from where I lived. And they were also a Yugo dealer. So I went down to see it. And it was sitting, it was sitting on a, um, one of those drive-up display ramps. So I went under. I kind of poked my head under it and looked. And sitting on the ramp, it was leaking oil. So I was thinking, oh, here's this brand-new car that they have on display so you can kind of check it out, and it's leaking oil. I'm like, well, that's not a good sign. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. The question is, what was the name of the first Hyundai? And even people had trouble with Hyundai's name. They were calling them Hyundai. Um, and finally, someone had to say it rhymes with Sunday. They'll call it Hyundai. 
And what was the name of the first model sold here, and how much did it cost? Let's give it a try. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hi. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, my guess is the Hyundai Excel. Yes. And it was a $49.95. Was it was it was it that clue you had to get it within five dollars? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and uh those were um those were pretty awful cars. They were, yeah. yeah. The paint fell off them, I think, within a few months. The paint fell off of them. The doors rotted in in the middle of the door for some reason. It's almost like they they must have had a seam or something right there, and the and the doors just rusted right in the middle. And then the uh, they used a Mitsubishi design engine with uh, three valves per cylinder, and there was this one little valve called a jet valve that let it, it kind of used a lean burn system. And the valves would get so hot they would melt, and it would fall off inside the engine. And of course, you know something the size of a dime floating around inside a combustion chamber doesn't do the engine any good so right um yeah so the engines would all come apart um after a year or two i actually became a um i i was a uh, independent arbitrator for uh hyundai toyota porsche and lexus and some subarus and um the uh, the hyundais you just kind of You'd look at them and just sort of scratch your head, but Hyundai was pretty good. Anytime anyone had a like lemon law complaint with a Hyundai, they would just they would just refund their money or replace the car. And then eventually, they came out with uh, the Hyundai Sonata and the Elantra, and people people got pretty happy with them. And what I think what really cured most of their problems was when they went from carburation to fuel injection, and they actually became pretty good cars. Yeah, they come a long way. Yeah, and now. And now, if you if you look at a if you look at a Hyundai, and then you look at their top of the line premium model, the Genesis, the Genesis is a fabulous car. I sat in the back seat of that at the car show. Yeah. Thank you for the tickets, by the way. But that that was it rivaled anything from Mercedes or or uh, BMW. Yeah, I mean the biggest problem with the Genesis and when it was called, you know, if it was if it was a you know a you know Hyundai Genesis or a Hyundai Equus, the biggest problem with it was people people have trouble getting over the idea that they're spending. You know, a lot of money, but they're spending a lot of money on a premium car, and that same person could probably go out and afford an Audi or a Mercedes or whatever the case is. And they're right. like, I, I don't know, but the uh, the the folks that used to own this radio station, um, I ran into them at the 50th anniversary of the Irish program, and. Uh, he said, "Yeah, we were talking about stuff." And he said, "Yeah, well, I drive a I drive a Kia 900, a K900, which is the the same equivalent of a of a Genesis." And he said, "Yeah, I traded in my Maserati for it." And he said, "I'm probably the only one who ever traded in a Maserati for a Kia." And he said, "You know, I just kind of looked at it as a fluke." And he ca- I came away, and he said, "That's an awful nice car." And yeah. uh, and you know, in kind of on that same premium end, the Kia Stinger. You know, I I was I was showing somebody that car, and I said you would be hard pressed to look at the Kia Stinger and then look at an Audi um, A5 or A7 and say which is the better car because Kia did a really really nice job with it. And the same thing with the Hyundai Genesis and a lot of the Hyundai models. They're 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 good cars. So even even the little um, the little Hyundai Elantra now. You know, good value for the money and uh, gets good gas mileage. Uh, just pretty good cars all the way around. I'll tell you what. Stay right there. Uh, we'll uh, get your name and address down, and we'll send you out a prize. John, I had a uh, guess for the bonus question. Oh, sure. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, was it the Hyundai Pony? It was the Hyundai Pony. Yeah. The, uh, basically, my neighbors, my next-door neighbors, they had family in Canada, yep. and they would come down every summer. And I, I was always thinking to myself, what kind of a car is that? Because they had a Pony, and they also had a Stellar. Yeah, they, they uh, I kind of, you know, I I have to tell you, I kind of miss, I miss the, the Canadian cars in the United States because they were just, you know, when I, you know, when I was younger and would go on vacation down the Cape, a lot of Canadians go go to the Cape on vacation and you would see things like a Pontiac Parisienne or, right. yeah, and you'd see, or you'd see a, uh, uh, a Ford Comet, you know, and it, and it kind of looked like. Um, you're like, well, is that a Taurus? What you know? But it just had it had an old Ford name or an old Mercury name on it. Or else you'd see stuff that you just didn't quite understand it. And you always knew the Canadian cars because uh, Canada was the first area around here to adopt daytime running lights. So you know they were the Canadians were always the ones driving around with their headlights on all the time. Right. Yeah. But uh, you're absolutely right. So we will put a whole package together for you. Thank you, John. All right, stay there, Drew. We'll be with you in just a minute. Thanks. Happy Easter. You you as well. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So uh, Ford Ford uh, good good for Drew. No one all. I don't know. I think he might have had Wikipedia on his side, but he had all the answers though. So um, Ford last year, maybe two years ago at the Detroit Auto Show, said we are not in the car business. We are in the transportation and technology business. And interesting that executives lured, this is an article from Automotive News, it says executives lured from Silicon Valley now leaving Ford. Two more uh, part of the automaker's uh, management shuttle. It says here, two more Ford Motor Company executives poached from Silicon Valley within the last two years of leaving the automaker, the latest in a series of management shuffles since um, Jim Hackett took over as CEO 10 months ago, um, a guy who was hired from Apple to serve as the Ford's chief uh, brand officer decided to leave last week. And another guy, uh, CEO of Ford's smart mobility unit since 2016, will step down. As of May, the departures follow the February ouster of the head of Ford's North America business unit for he was gone because of inappropriate behavior. But uh, but anyway, um, so it's kind of interesting that, um, you know, Ford's uh, previous CEO, Mark Fields, hired these folks from Apple and other big companies because they were really looking to go into the technology business. And now it seems as if maybe they're going back into the car business. And since... Uh, at Ford, they had their Echo Sport, their little SUV, which is brand new, which I haven't seen yet other than I was supposed to actually have one. When I was in Florida, I was actually supposed to have one to drive, and, and I, never, I, never, I never got it because of uh, Ford actually needed it back for something. And then uh, I did see it about a year and a half ago. I was at a Ford factory and, um, where they test some stuff, and there in the corner was the Echo Sport. Kind of confusing. It's an Echo Sport with an EcoBoost engine. Echo, Eco. It's very confusing to me. So, um, so a lot of a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in the automotive business that started off one way and seems to be changing a little bit. Let's take another call. Our phone number is six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. 
Yes, good morning, John Paul. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for being there. Thank you. My question is um, calling about, uh, you know, your opinion on batteries, on uh, newer cars. Um, My concern is how long should you have a battery in a car? Because I hear if they go dead or actually if they go weak, you could have a lot of problems, and then you might have to do a relearn later. And I wanted your opinion on how long you should keep a battery in your car before putting a new one in. The the average life of a battery, from what we can tell at AAA, based on how we Mm -hmm. replace them, in New England is about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, the battery that was in my car was seven years old, and the only reason why it failed is I forgot to close the door one day, and I left it. I left the door open for the weekend, and of course the dome light was on, and stayed on for the whole weekend, and the battery was completely dead. And when I jump started the car and and uh, started it back up, and then put a battery charger on it afterwards and charged it up, it never came back a hundred percent. It came back probably. 60%. So I ended up replacing the battery in it. Um, there, The biggest problem is not when a battery slowly dies. It is sometimes the damage happens during the jump start if it's not performed properly or during battery replacement when um, somebody just disconnects the battery, throws a new one in, and now all of a sudden, yeah, there's stuff that has to you know, the computer might need to relearn. Some of the security systems might get a little bit goofy on the car. Could be a could be a variety of different things. What we do at work when we replace batteries is we actually um, use a use a jump box with a set of little jumper cables on it. Leave it on the battery connections, disconnect it so the battery so the computer system has always got a full twelve volts through it. And then we put the new battery in, put it back in, and that way there's no issues with. Um, voltage you know spikes or drops or whatever the case is and everything's still there and for the for the AAA member um you know the 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 seat memories in the same place the radio station buttons are where they were when they started and and uh the alarm's going to work the way it should but yeah you're right sometimes what happens is there is some relearning it depends on the car it used to be years ago if you put a battery in a Cadillac you would you put the battery and you start up the car it would stall You'd start up the car again, and it wouldn't stall, but it'd be running poorly. You'd, you'd start it again. It would start to run a little bit better. You'd drive it a little bit. It would run a little bit better. And it might take 20 minutes for the computer to go through this whole relearn procedure to get back to running well. But because I'm cheap, I tend to I tend to leave the battery in the car until I don't think it's going to be any good. And what I do is I... I you know, I have a battery tester, so I go out with my battery tester and 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 see how the battery's doing. And if it says, you know, if it's a 500 cold cranking amp battery and it's, you know, 450 cold cranking amps, it's, do, it's still doing pretty good. If it's 300 and 300 cranking amps, well, it's about time to think about replacing it. So I kind of let tools guide me into where it needs to be replaced. I mean, I have seen batteries literally last 10 years and work fine. It's what kills a battery is the cycling. When when a battery's allowed to go dead and needs to be jump-started and then it recharges again, that's what's tough on a battery. But if you're somebody who gets in the car, starts it up, drives it away, and doesn't leave their lights on and not you're not an idiot like me and left the door open um, for a weekend... Um, you know, that, that's that's what extends the life of a battery. So, like I said, the average life of a battery is, you know, 
four and a half years, 4.9 months, something like that. But that also means there are batteries that only last three years and there are batteries that last eight or nine. Andy, you also answered the second part of my question that you said about getting the battery tested because how expensive the new alternators are too. Oh yeah, um, you know it is. It you know it it you can you can spend money on alternators and today's alternators in a lot of cases are controlled by the car's computer system. So uh, you have to look at all of that. So you don't want you don't want a battery that's going to also overstress that alternator either. So, um, but no, I I think it's a good idea to you know once a year or so, uh, and it only takes less than five minutes uh, to have somebody test the battery charging system and starting system and make sure everything's performing the way it should. You can't, you know, it's pretty hard to read into the future about stuff, but you can, you know, with some of these electronic tools now, you can get a pretty good indication. And if you're a AAA member, you can actually call up and say, hey, can I get somebody to come out and test my battery for you? And they'll come out with a with a great little tool that does a little computer printout, and they can actually test it out and test the alternator and test the starter and see how it's doing. It counts as one of your road service calls, but, you know, if that's something you want to do, you can always do that. Yeah, I'm lucky in that aspect that whenever I go to my mechanic, it's a AAA-approved shop, and they usually do that every six, seven months when I go to an old change. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, that's uh, that's money well spent. Thank you so much All for right. your opinion. All right, take care. Uh, Easter. You as well. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oops. Oh, let's take another call. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hi, John Paul. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. Uh, I've got a problem with a 2009 Honda Accord. Uh, the driver's seat belt uh, very, very slow retracting, and you get gets caught in the door if you, you, know, if you have to forget to mind it. Uh, any idea if I can attempt to see what's going on with the retractor? I don't think the belt is twisted. And yeah. I've gone on... Um, the only reluctance I have is this little tag on the driver's side of the driver's seat that says side airbag. And I'm just kind of wondering in my, if I take that B-pillar uh, trim off, am I going to get into any trouble back there? Well, um, no, no, I mean, not not really. Um, but on the other hand, you're probably not going to see much you can really do back there either because... Um, the seatbelt tensioner, the thing that sort of winds the winds the seatbelt up, right. um, it's it could you know it could be it could be part of the problem. Uh, uh, it could just be dirt and stuff inside there. I guess if I was um, if I was really convinced, I wanted to look. I might consider disconnecting the airbag, but I I I was. I, for some reason, thought in your vintage, and I could be completely wrong, but I thought for some reason in your vintage car, the um, the the side airbag was in the seat was in the seat itself. But okay. maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, but it's but as far as you know, what you can do about it, there's there's not there's not a lot. Um, I mean, you might find you might find that. Uh, you know, there's just dirt and junk stuck inside there, so um, you might get in there and try to clean it. But chances are, chances are not. I mean, I think if I was actually taking it apart, the one thing I would do is, you know, disconnect the battery, wait, you know, disconnect it, um, both the positive and negative cables, touch the two cables together so the system completely discharges, 
and then you don't have you don't have too much to worry about at that point. Um, and then you know, and then take a look take a look at the seatbelt and look at the retractor and see what's there. But I think you're going to find the real fix might be you have to buy a new re- retractor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd give you a call, and, and I don't want to get into anything that yeah. <laughs> yeah. have problems um, with. You know, as as I'm surprised your car really isn't that old. I guess it is. It's nine years old, but um, that the retractor is getting a little bit sticky. But um, I. I you know, it, and you're going to find that unless, like I said, unless you find dirt in there or something, I don't, you, you're going to have to, re, you know, replace the seatbelt, and that could get a little expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, okay, well, I'll take it under advisement, and I don't know, uh, see what I'm going to do, I guess. Okay, all right. Thank you, thank you so right, much. take care. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. Actually, well, let's see, is there any kind of technical service bulletins about this Honda seatbelt? Um, nope, no, it just says, let's see, if the seatbelt won't retract or won't pull out, it could be twisted somewhere in the belt path. Uh, if twisted uh, on the retractor reel, turn the reel by hand, the locking mechanism releases and pull the belt out, remove any twists. If the passenger belt is worn out, there's, there's nothing twisted here. Uh, here's another possibility. In 1996, we started outfitting the retractors, lap and shoulder belts with locking mechanisms to secure child seats. If the belt is pulled out too fast, it could have tripped up the, the lock. Um, if the seatbelt buckle won't work, could be just dirt inside there. A word to the wise, it says, some seatbelt parts like retractors and buckles have small pieces that can easily get damaged. If you're servicing them, never take a seatbelt, buckle, or retractor apart to try to clean, lubricate, or repair them. Um, replace them as a unit. So, not a lot you can do. I think we have another call. Good morning, you're on the Car Doctor Program. Hello? Hello. Hi there. Hi, hi, Doctor. I have a question. Sure. On my, uh, I just bought an old four GMC Sierra fifteen hundred. Brand new, a brand new old four. Uh, yeah. And on the the uh, gear shift of the Penindo during the day, there's no light on, but at night the light comes on. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't come on bright, but it does it come does on. Come well, on. I can read, you know, reverse yeah. drive. Yeah. Huh. I would have to. I would. Yeah. I got. I got nothing. I would have to look at a wiring diagram and see see if there's see what kind of light is in there. And but all the rest of the dash lights work okay. Oh, everything's perfect. Everything's uh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a shift indicator light. It's not, and it's only, and it's and it's one of those ones that is. Uh, it's like a, a light up thing behind it. Is that how it works? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. It's but, uh, yeah. No, not in the, right now, I'm staring at it. It's black. Yeah. But when it gets dark out, it comes on. Not yeah. bright, but it does come on. Yeah. Chances are there's two sets of LEDs in there, and um, and one of them one of them has a problem. And um, like I said, you would have to probably look at a at a uh, a diagram to see what you know, what actually makes that work and see if there is something in there that's replaceable. Um, yeah, chances chances are it's a, it's a little circuit board in there that gets powered up when when it's uh, 
daytimes daytimes on it should light up and then when you turn the headlights on it shuts off the brighter light and turns on the dimmer light because you don't want a really bright light at night at the shifter yes. so um chances are whatever makes that work i got to tell you unless it's something absolutely simple easy which i don't think it's going to be my suggestion is start at park and count the clicks so you know it's in drive because oh, yeah, well, I, yeah. i've already started that yeah because other than that other than that yeah yeah other than that i think you're going to find out it's almost too expensive to fix but i think you, oh, okay. you yeah i think you're going to have to really just uh you know, sit there, sit there with some kind of wiring diagram, figure it out. Because, I, like I said, it's not like the old days where there was a bulb you could replace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank. All, all right. right. Thanks a lot. All right. That Take care. Anyways. All right. All yeah, right. All right. See you later. All right. One more call. Let's see. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Hello, John. Hey, Peter. How, How are you? Doing? Good and yourself. Good. You got um, all, you got all your Easter eggs hidden. I do. I everything's uh, all set under the pillows, all that good stuff. There you go. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Canadian cars and Ford. Uh, I'm just looking through a hundred years together by John Mays and uh, Ford. Ford was up there by 1904. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what, uh, what were they doing up there? They were building cars, John. They were building cars in Windsor, Ohio, uh, in Ontario. And um, so th- their affiliation with Ford was very, very early, mm. actually, before the Model T. But uh, in the, the 50s, they, uh, they gave, you know, they had um, the Mercury, the Meteor, yep. which was the Ford, the Monarch, which was the Mercury version, and then the Canadian Mercury. And then in 58, the Etzel came in, and they gave up Monarch, and the Canadians were so upset with that. In '59, they came out with Monarch the Second. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then the um, the Ford Falcon was called the Frontenac. 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 Yes, and that that was a big, big success in Canada. Yeah. So um, I just thought I'd add to your. Uh, your uh, interest in uh, Canadian Ford products. Well, uh, you, know, you know, like I said, I, I kind of miss. I kind of miss the. Uh, you know, I remember twenty five. You know, thirty years ago. You know, if I was going, if I was going to a beach on Cape Cod, and I'd be, you know, I get bored and I go walk the parking lot and I'd see these cars with Canadian plates on them with names that I didn't recognize, but the cars I sort of recognized, and, right, be, right. and I, I just always sort of enjoyed that. That's, uh, I guess, that's part of the you know geeky part of me that kind of likes that stuff so well i'm on the same page and a lot of the uh, american car owners would go up there and buy trim the canadian trim and then bring it back and hot rod the cars you know well but what one uh monarch name that i always loved was richelieu the richelieu richelieu yes Yes, he's the one that ran the uh, French government when Louis the Fourteenth was a little boy. Oh, all right. Richelieu, he was a cardinal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I just thought you'd get a kick. <laughs> no, out of no, that. it's it's interesting, and you know, I'm not I'm not a world traveler by any means, but you know, my my traveling tends to, you know, my wife likes the beach, so we tend to if we if we are going anywhere, it tends to be in the Caribbean sometimes, and even at that, I'll. Uh, She'll say to, she'll say to me, "Where did you go?" And I said, oh, "I went and walked around the employee parking lot, and just to see just to see what they're driving." And still, some of the same same you know, there's American names on some 
you know, on, you know, you look at a Nissan and, it, you know, and, it, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a Nissan Falcon, but it might be, you know, it's going to be some yes, kind yeah. of Americanized name sometimes on some of these cars. And it may be something that, you know, you've, you've never heard of, but you look at it and go, well, that looks familiar, but in fact, it, right. you know, yeah. Right. So, and then, and then five years later, it can show up in the showroom it, here. It could, what? and it's going to be called something completely different. So, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, always interesting. Yes, absolutely, John. All right, Peter, take right. care. Have a good Happy Easter. Easter to you. You, you as well. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we had our trivia winner. We talked about cars. We talked to a lot of our listeners. And now we're going to talk to Paul Sullivan. I think. Well, there, there I, he is. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. When you're down on the Cape, you know, back in the day and you were looking at cars, did you, did you, ever, see one, did you ever see the Pontica? Pontica. Yeah. Pontica. Pontica. My my buddy, we used to drive down the Cape from you know yeah he had the Greater Boston area and he had a car, his dad's car actually. Did the and, did the end fall off or no no? no. What happened was the uh, had some rear end damage at one point in time, yeah. some body damage, yeah. and it, back then they used to like have these little letters they'd stick into yeah. the, to the sheet metal. Yeah. Well, the guy obviously that was was a really nice. Um, uh, guy in fixing metal and things, body work was, guy. Was spelling wasn't one of his. Was, so yeah. The Pontiac became the Pontica. Well, <laughs> being being somewhat dyslexic myself, yeah. <laughs> um, I can I can sort of understand. Hey, you're driving could, the only Pontica on the uh, road. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I may I may or may not have seen that. So, uh, All right, okay. but yeah, but uh, it's uh, I I did see uh, I did see a uh, Pontiac that did have a Buick front end on it because essentially they were the same parts and they must have found one that um, was, they must have found the same color. So they put Wasn't a Buick front end then? on a, on a Pontiac. You and, couldn't get away with that today. Yeah, no, it's, everything's, everything's more difficult. But you, you, know? you should um, smash up the, um, the Volkswagen bugs with what they have for the front end of the, you know, the Rolls Royce. Oh yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. They used to do that um, typically. Yeah. No, there, there's uh uh, there's a whole little there's a whole little market of that and and what's what has happened now, all those people that used to do that to Volkswagens, now are old guys mm-hmm. and they do that to golf carts, <laughs> of and they have Rolls Royce golf carts and '57 Chevy looking golf carts and Mustang looking golf carts and um, stay stay yeah. away from the 19th hole. They, they, well, they're they're keeping them well depends on where you are. They're, I was going to say they're keeping them off the street, but. Hey, this, nobody's this, out in the parking lot today. I know. And what's the deal with the gates in the parking lot? Are we not going to be able to come in here someday? Oh, I didn't even notice. Oh, well, yeah. Did yeah. I drive her through one? Well, the, well excuse me. They're, 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 they're open, so. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking across the way there at the brand new building there. Yep. And some of the balconies are innies and some of the balconies are outies. Why do you think that's like that? Um, how much money? More you spend? square footage on, much, on yeah. the ones that how stick much, out. Did you yeah, notice that? I did. I did. I I figured it was just architectural. Yeah. Well, it is alternate, so yeah. there's some yeah. symmetry to yeah. it. But it's yeah. crazy. No, I mean, and not that they're huge balconies. They're not. Yeah. But the, some of them don't have much at all. Yeah. Well, maybe room for a grill. This may be the day I actually go look at you know go look at a model home over there. Okay. Just because um, you know because. Just because. Well, and because there aren't a lot of people out there. there that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, I think we're almost out of time. I came early today. I know you did. You're here. You're here like. That's because Claire has to go plant the Easter eggs. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. We're on, you, we're on a tight schedule. Yeah, today. yeah. You you were you were here early. You were, you were like you're like Bobby Brooks early. 
No, he gets here. Bill but, Porter early. Uh, no, Bill would get here like at sunrise. Bobby Brooks is right there with him. All right, okay. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby gets here. Get Bobby gets here pretty early. He comes in and he has a laptop, two cell phones, all hooked up. Yeah. With music and everything. Yeah, of course. So uh, it's, and you and you come in and you're like, huh? I got a little flash drive. Well, I've done it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. yeah. You, and, and you have like 10 million songs in your I, yeah, in, I do, in my repertoire. In your repertoire yeah. of, uh, yep. of of music. I so I do. But uh, it, I I I have everybody who comes in here, whether it's you or when Bill Porter was coming in, or or Seamus, or or, or Bill Bailey, or or Matt. I always learn something. How, well, how we always we yeah. all have our different yeah. uh, idiot, idi- well, Mike is idiot syncrasy, <laughs> but um, we all have our idiosyncrasies. We all do things a certain way, and that's what they tell me. That's the the charm of the broadcast that we're not all the same. We're not uh, working off the same playlist. You know, I was listening to radio Char- station. Charm's a polite word, yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, I was listening to a radio station on the way in, and uh, you know, it was an oldie station, and the song they played I heard yesterday and the day before. Exactly, and the exactly. day before that. Yeah. It, it's. I think it's great here that there isn't a predetermined playlist like like the top forty stations. They have a they have a computer that selects the playlist. And well, you know, when I back in the early nineties, which you know is the Stone Age now, when I went out and did a little bit of country there was, music radio, there, there was no internet. No, there wasn't. No, and CDs. Had Can just you been imagine born. no internet? CDs had just been born. So, but it's funny. I went to the country station, and it was a commercial station, and I had done this show for like ten years at that time. And uh, the first thing they did is, "Here's your list." I said, "What list? These are the songs you're going to play for the next three hours." I said, really? <laughs> and there was no arguing. I mean, they had yeah. been, consultants yeah. had made these lists, and you were going to play them. This song comes after that song, and don't yeah. mess up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I that's and I like the idea that you get it, to some extent you get a flavor of the host sort of mood. You know, they they're playing stuff that they want to they want to hear and they think their audience wants to hear and I think that's what that's what makes that's what makes the Irish hippery kind of special. Well, everything kind of comes together. I flash back to my uh, grandmother's pala and she would say uh did Paul it have, did it have a wood stove in it? No, but it had a uh, huge piano. Yeah, because a polish should have a wood stove. This is a great story. My 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 grandmother at one point wanted to get rid of the big grand piano in her yeah. pala. Yeah. And um, you know, I guess pianos weren't real popular back then. They're hard and to they're hard to move. How did my father get it out? Don't know. Took Cut it up. Ha- he took a hatchet to it. <laughs> took yeah, a hatchet literally. To it. He, he took a hatchet to it and put it out the back window. <laughs> Can you imagine someone doing that today? We're drifting into geezer radio yeah, again, did, by the did way. Did it go out the third floor window of uh, Dorchester? No, 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 no. This is, a, no. this is an estate in Belmont. Uh, right. Come on. I'm, a, I'm from the Hoi Polloi. I know. I know. I'm surprised. I'm right, surprised I yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, um, yeah, I, I had a move. I had a mover piano once. I, I did it once. I will never no. ever do it again. It's a, the awkward. It's heavy. Yeah. It's just cumbersome. I was surprised how heavy it was. Yeah, it's just stupid. Well, it, to make it sound good, the wood has to be really, really dense, and yeah. that's what makes it heavy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we gotta go. We gotta. We're enough talking. I say by enough a keyboard. Of this, <laughs> no, enough of this geezer radio no stuff. No more geezer radio. Yeah, no more geezer radio. Hey, uh, for everybody out there, have a happy Easter. Uh, spend it with family and friends. Um, if you find if you uh, if you find an Easter egg that looks a little bit old, it might be from last year. You might not want to eat that. Uh-uh, one. No, I ran all of mine with the lawn tractor last oh, summer, so, so they're gone. They're, they're gone. They're, they're mulch. Gone. Yeah. They're mulch. Yeah, that's good too. So, yeah. but any any of those kind of things. Uh, but uh, um, you know, if you get a chocolate Easter bunny, start with the ears. 
I don't know. That's what I always try to do. Uh, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.